The future of supply chain is open, collaborative, and connected through a series of sustainable ecosystems. It's resilient, it's responsive, it's adaptive. Most importantly, it's built to create positive outcomes that are beneficial for the planet, for its people, as much as it is for profit. Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain podcast. My name's Richard Howells. I'm a Vice President of Thought Leadership for SAP's ERP, Finance and Supply Chain Solutions. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Neil Banerjee from EY, to discuss the very important topic of sustainability and specifically the challenges of managing water usage and consumption across businesses. Welcome, Neil. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's great to have you on the series. If you could take a moment to introduce yourself, give some insights into your past experience and your current role, that would be great. Yeah, sure, Richard. Hello. Thank you. Thank you again for having me. So today I serve as our sustainability and ESG SAP leader in the Americas at EY. I work in our technology consulting service line. And what that means is through my role, I'm afforded the opportunity to work with a multidisciplinary team of practitioners who are tasked with waking up each day and solving our clients' biggest challenges in technology, supply chain, and sustainability, especially where those three intersect. I'm an engineer by trade. I'm the product of an environmental scientist and a data scientist. I think that's what's led me to what I do here today. And most of my career has been predominantly in agriculture, food and beverage, consumer products, life sciences, and the energy sectors. I've spent six months in oil and gas, and then I joined the consulting world where I've been for the past 12 years. Well, it's great to have you on the show. If you look at the UN sustainability goals, and there's 17 of them, the sixth one is ensure access to water and sanitation for all. So a very general question, how are we doing with ensuring access to water and sanitation for all? Well, let's start with some basics. Water is the most important resource to every person on the planet in more ways than one. We all need it in our daily lives for sustenance, for health, for hygiene. And many of us use it as daily practitioners, operators in the business world that we live in. In 2020, 74% of the global population had access to safely managed drinking water, and that's up from 70% in 2015. But what that means is about 2 billion people live daily without safely managed drinking water. And in fact, 1.2 billion of those people have access to no basic water services at all. So uh, at the current rates of progression, about 1.6 billion people are going to lack safely managed drinking water in 2030. And 1.9 billion people will lack just basic hand hygiene facilities. So the facts will tell you we're not doing very well. The pragmatic in me will tell you we have a real opportunity here to change the way we're thinking about this and to really make a true impact and change the facts for the whole globe. I mean, water is in the spotlight at the moment as well. I mean, the UN World Food Day is coming up on October 16th. And this year, the focus is on water. Their slogan is, water is life, water is food, leave no one behind. And I think businesses are a huge consumer of water, mostly in the manufacturing process, actually. And there's a huge opportunity to better design how we make products, how we manufacture products to reduce that amount of water. So what are some of the examples of water shortages today? I mean, I looked at the UN Sustainability Development Goals and some of the statistics they were sharing were staggering. 
Well, across the world, access to water is up and down. I think many in the Western world are afforded and actually take it for granted that we can turn on our faucets and drink the water that comes straight out of the tap. But in many countries and continents like Africa and in South Central Asia, the water levels are very, very stressed. And so as an organization that operates a business in some of these areas, it's becoming more and more pertinent that you treat this as a true vital resource like it is. Water is life. And so as a result, these companies that are manufacturing consumer products, consumer goods that are heavy inputs with water should really start to practice and monitor and do what they can to impact the local watershed and improve that situation. The questions are only going to arise more and more around organizations that make beer in Africa or in Asia when billions of people have issues getting to free water or access to clean water. Yeah, I mean, I also believe that the natural resources are being affected by the shortage of water. I wrote an article a few weeks ago about the ceriche shortage, and that was caused by particularly dry conditions in Mexico so that the red jalapenos crops were failing, and that's a key ingredient. And if you go back to why that was a problem, it was mainly because of the low water levels in the Colorado River, because those levels are depleted and the U.S. farmers on the banks of the river get the first dips of that water and then the Mexican farmers get it later in the flow of the river so there's less water for them. So we're seeing companies looking at trying to work out how they can produce products and grow products and optimize the water consumption or even look at different locations where they could be growing those products. And I know EY are taking the whole topic of water shortage very seriously and have introduced an, a water index. So can you talk a little bit about the purpose, goals, and the KPIs for this water index? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to, Richard. So at EY, we have developed something we're calling the Water Net Impact Score, the EY Water Index. And what this is, is it's really meant to be a KPI similar to OEE, if you're familiar with the manufacturing sector and measuring operational efficiency. A KPI that focuses on three primary pillars of water. How efficient you're being with that water, so the efficiency, and how do you execute to the targets that you've set. Circularity of water, so how well are you recycling the water that you're using as you draw water out of the local watershed. And then what can you do to give back? So balance, efficiency, circularity, and balance. What can you do to restore water at the local watershed? So that example I gave of an organization that's manufacturing beer or retail products or clothes in Africa, Southeast Asia, where the water stress levels are very high. What are those organizations doing to be as efficient as they can be, as circular as they can be? And most importantly, what are they doing to give back and rebalance and restore water at the local watershed to actually be water positive in the area? It's interesting that you talk about rebalancing because I always think the supply chain executive's job is always a balancing act. And that example is in the case of making clothes in the countries where there are water shortages, is a balance between the cost of labor, but also how it's impacting the environment. So it's always having that visibility into all of that information is always critical. 
But I have a few follow-on questions about your index. Because as you look to track the water involved in day-to-day businesses, my first question is, is it focused on just the company or is it the company's supply chain? Because when we talk about emissions, we talk about scope one, two, and three emissions. And scope three emissions are outside of your organizations. Are we able to get that level of granularity when we talk about water consumption as well? Well, one of the primary things with their EY water index is we are focused on exactly that. The end-to-end value chain of water, similar to scope one, two, and three carbon emissions, we want to think about water inside the bounds of your organization and water outside the bounds of your organization as well. So your direct water use or direct water consumption and your indirect water use or indirect water consumption. So some of those raw materials or finished goods and services that consume water that help you go from manufacturing a product to putting it out into the market for your customers. The way that we collect this data is in a multitude of ways. A lot of organizations today, it's a manual process, but it's going to require collaboration. It's going to require collaboration similar to how we think about carbon emissions with your partners and your customers. And that's the way that we've designed our EY water index. It first looks at, you know, your water consumption use, both direct and indirect within your organization and thinking about the efficiency and the circularity of that water. But it also looks outside of your own bounds or your own walls and gives you an opportunity to work with your partners to collaborate on how they're using water to stand up programs and initiatives with both the conservation agencies that are local to the area and the local operators in the area to start to improve and drive water efficiency and circularity. And all of that effort ultimately creates a capability within the index that meets consumers and helps consumers understand by scanning a QR code on a product to understand what was the end-to-end water consumption and usage from when this product was at inception all the way to it being in my hands today. We're using that data as much as we can to improve the value chain across the board from manufacturer all the way to end consumer. Are you seeing that companies have actual data at the moment or are they still using averages and the goal is to get to actual data? Excellent question. It's averages, Richard. And similar to carbon emissions again, We want to move from estimates to actuals, but the very first step, step zero, is to actually be able to record and report on this data and actually be able to attest to it and make sure it's accurate so that the improvements, the decisions that we're driving are going to have real impact. Great answer. I know EY recently took part in the SAP content to create sustainability solutions and won the competition. So can you explain a little bit about the competition and the solution EY produced that won? Absolutely. A proud moment for our team, our global team. This was a contest run in North America, but did include a multidisciplinary group from EY that participated in a week-long event at the end of April and developed in just a few short days the beta version of our net water impact score. Again, focusing on a few primary personas, the organization itself, the NGOs or water conservation agencies whom the organization could partner with, 
and the end consumer who would be a consumer of a product. And what we wanted to build out, all built on SAP's business technology platform, was a platform and an index that provided data and metrics and KPIs to those three personas so that they could consume and drive decisions around as a consumer, whether I want to buy that product, as a water conservation agency, what programs or initiatives do I want to partner with this organization to be able to improve the water at the local watershed? And as an organization itself, focus on efficiency and circularity and try to improve their internal operations. Over a week-long event, we were able to demo and present our plans around what this product and this solution would be and the impact that we believe it will have. And we're awarded first place by SAP. That's great. And what plans do you have for that solution now moving forward? Well, since winning that award in April, we've been talking to a number of our customers in the consumer products, retail sector, and the energy and life sciences sector, the advanced manufacturing sector, all of whom are focused on what are they doing with water? How are they consuming it? How th can they conserve it? And how can they start to be able to drive impact in improving the water equation for everyone? These are some of the sectors or industries that are heavy users of water. I think a lot of people don't understand or don't recognize or realize just how much water goes into the consumer products that we all consume each day or how much water goes into providing the energy that we use each day. So it's those companies that we started to talk to and ideate with and think about how we can expand the platform and start to actually implement it as an industry leading practice and as a best practice. Do you see companies using this data to then take a look at how they design products and manufacture products in that in some cases there's a 10 to 1 or 20 to 1 ratio of the amount of water needed to consumed in the process versus the liter of beer that gets manufactured at the end or produced at the end for example so are you seeing companies looking at ways of taking that data and then working out how they can make their processes more water efficient we are and that is exactly the goal of the platform and of the water index itself. I think some of the interesting things that we're seeing, for example, with a consumer products company we're working with is they manufacture ice cream. Ice cream is heavy input for fresh water. They also manufacture vending machines where ice cream is dispensed from. So they make an ice cream pod and they put it in a retail location with the vending machine and the pod distributes or dispenses ice cream. Now this company, as a result of how much water they use to manufacture ice cream, we've started to help them think about how efficient they can be with that water. How much can they improve what goes in so that the ice cream they get out is optimized, but still maintains quality and some of the other standards that they want to meet to be out in the market. And what we've started to look at with our EY water index is how can they think about circularity? How can they think about the water that they are inefficient with, but collecting and not losing to upcycle or recycle that water and use it to clean the equipment that manufactures their vending machines? These are some of the use cases that we're starting to explore with some of our customers and clients and some of the things that is an absolute must for what we see as 
organizations out there starting to do to be more conscious and more responsible with their water use overall. That's a great example. But if a company was looking at reducing their water consumption or optimizing their water usage, and as you say, having a circular approach to repurpose the water that would be considered waste usually in another process, how can EY help them in their water preservation initiatives and sustainability in general? Well, EY is a leader in climate change and sustainability services, and we're a leader in supply chain and technology as well. And so where a lot of these problem statements and challenges are is where those three intersect, and it's the innovations and the thought leadership and some of the solutions like our EY Water Index that we're bringing to bear to meet these challenges and co-create additional solutions with our clients that will meet these challenges and mitigate some of the risks that they face. Neil, was there anything that we didn't cover that we probably should have touched on when it comes to water consumption? Well, Richard, you know, what comes fresh to my mind is what we're seeing on the news daily today and the wildfires and the forest fires. I turned on the news and saw what's happening in Maui. And one thing that is going to be vital and important for us to remember as we think about water is distribution and allocation as well. The wildfires in Maui, as the investigation goes on, some of what we're learning was how water was preserved, how much was in a reservoir, and where it was allocated to. Did it go to a golf course or to being preserved somewhere to be called upon when a fire starts? Some of these types of decision points and some of these types of things are exactly what our EY Water Index solution will start to look at and hopefully start to drive better data to drive a better decision. But something that needs to be conscious for all of us because as we start to see these types of catastrophes increase, there's only going to be more and more scrutiny on the organizations that operate out there in the world and how they're being responsible with their water consumption. And as with most natural resources, there isn't an infinite amount of availability. We have a capacity constraint on all of our natural resources and we need to manage them better. We do. We're coming to the end of the podcast. And as you know, the title of the podcast is The Future of Supply Chain. So if you had to summarize in a few sentences, and I'm sure that sustainability will be part of this answer, but what is the future of supply chain? The future of supply chain is open collaborative, and connected through a series of sustainable ecosystems. It's resilient, it's responsive, it's adaptive. Most importantly, it's built to create positive outcomes that are beneficial for the planet, for its people, as much as it is for profit. Great answer. Neil, thanks for a great conversation. It's been a pleasure to have you on the series. Thank you, Richard. And thanks everyone for listening. Please mark us as a favourite and you can get regular updates and information about future episodes. But until next time, from Neil and I, thank you for discussing the future of supply chain. <laughs>